I want to say hello to all of our folks that are listening on podcasts, uh, on our live stream. We've got a lot of our folks overseas that listen, and we just appreciate you guys tuning in. We also, every, I, I've got folks that I call on upon each week that maybe aren't feeling well or at home, and they uh, share what a blessing it is to be able to listen online. I also want to say this, uh, this particular morning, we kind of gave our staff a, a break this week to uh, stay home and to uh, relax, get some rest, some were not feeling so well. Uh, so you did not get a bulletin this morning, which is not the end of the world, but uh, I just wanted to let you know that was intentional. Also, let me mention that the purpose of our PowerPoint going on and off 40 times during the worship service is to build godly character in your life. Um, some of you have been wondering, I, let me just state the obvious, what is the problem? Why can't that person in the back keep that up. That person in the back is a wonderful lady today, Joanne, who I just want to know who's ever been working in the back. Thank you for taking upon yourself the scourge of uh, bad electronic equipment. It is, not the, it is not human error that is at work. It is the electronic demons that manifest over the holidays when you cannot call anybody to come fix it because everybody's on vacation. So that's what we're dealing with is uh, some issues like that. Darren is on it. We're working to get it fixed. Our goal is not to torment you, but we do appreciate all of your patience as you're just getting into the lyrics and they disappear uh, over and over and over again. So uh, even with the PowerPoint this morning, I said, you know what, let's just not even do a PowerPoint. Maybe just throw some verses up there uh, when, when I'm on them so that we don't uh, add more you know, in, uh, injury to uh, your eyesight or more frustration as you're trying to listen to the Lord through His Word and the message. So anyway, that's the plan, but I want you to know we're on it and we're trying to get that fixed ASAP, all right? I want to talk to you this morning on a message that's really foundational, and if you've been around here at Living Stones for any length of time, You know that the month of January is a month when I like to go back to the basics. I think it's so important for us to evaluate. You know, somebody said uh, one time that um, it's not reflection or pausing to think about the year that that, that changes us. It's it's, It's when we look back at the year, reflect upon it, and then make decisions to adjust the things that need to be adjusted in our lives. And I want to encourage you that this is the time of the year to figure out, you know what, what did I do well last year? I want to keep building on that. What are the areas where I I really stumbled or I really struggled, and what can I do to change that? Every one of us should be goal-oriented in the sense that we've got things that we want to do, visions that God's put in our heart, things that we'd like to do better. Am I talking to the right crowd? I mean, we don't want to just sit here and stumble into another year. That's not the way to do it. So I encourage you, carve out some time, get along with God. Begin to think about your life. Begin to think about the end again and, and, and look backwards. I, I heard a great question this week uh, that was raised that I thought was so good in bringing focus. If you could picture the day when everybody's coming to your funeral and they're all talking about you, what is it that you would like them to be saying about you at your funeral? What are the things you want to be known for? What are the, what are the messages that want to be coming, you want to hear coming out of people's mouths when they're thinking about who you are and the life that you live? What a powerful question. Those are the kind of questions we need to be asking at the end of one year before we go into another year because we've all got areas that we need to change. Also, the Bible encourages us to make godly resolutions. But I want to encourage you, some people are very cynical about resolutions because it's like, you know what, I make a resolution and three days into the new year I've already failed and ah, what, what good are New Year's resolutions? Well, New Year's resolutions by themselves are not much help because the problem is I'm not very good at keeping them. Uh, but here's the deal. Resolutions 
that are bathed in the grace of God and the mercy of God and reliance upon God are great things because they keep us going back to the source of our help. How many of you have figured out that when you read the Bible, the commandments of God that he gives to us in Scripture are undoable in the natural? Let me give you an example just to deflate you uh, here on on this New Year's Eve. How many of you know the command, rejoice in the Lord always, is not a suggestion? It's a commandment. Has anybody ever perfectly fulfilled that commandment in their life? Okay, good, me either. But how many of you know we can't just exit out and pretend like it doesn't exist? How many of you know we're still responsible to obey the word of God? Which means, here's the word of the Lord this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, the Bible says, I say, rejoice in case we're hard of hearing or, or we missed it. Now, how do we fulfill that? You know what? You, the only way you fulfill it is by incredible reliance upon the Lord and incredible humility and dependence upon God's grace for, for us to be able to be the kind of people he wants us to be. So I want us to make some good resolves. And one of the areas where we need to have some fresh resolve is in the area of prayer. And I want to talk in particular about three things this morning. Prayer as a, a pathway, prayer as a partnership, and prayer as a promise from God uh, to lead the most meaningful, impactful life we can possibly lead. So let's talk about the first one here, prayer as a pathway to relationship with the Lord. You know, prayer is one of those things that most of the time when you think about it, if I said the word prayer, you would begin associating, Ugh, I need to pray more, and there'd be this little sense of guilt or this nagging feeling of, I need to do a better job. Am I talking to the right crowd on that? Is there anybody in this room that besides me has struggled with prayer, consistency in prayer? I want you to look around because I think most of us at some point in our life, we've struggled with prayer. Some of you maybe feel like you got more grace now and you're flowing in it, but who, who in their life at some point struggled with prayer, right? Do they have pretty much synonymous? Because here's my belief. The things that are most important are the things that we struggle with the most because the enemy knows that if we master them, he's in trouble. So it, I just wanted to see that if I asked you, how many of you struggled with whatever, we'd get mixed show because some people wouldn't be naturally gifted. I'm telling you, the the discipline of prayer is such that it goes against who we are. Um, we're not, we're wired for action. We're, we're, we're wired to go do things and, and we're, we're, be action figures. And prayer means slow down. Prayer means get in the presence of God. Prayer means talk to the Lord. And these are not things that we do by nature, at least not with our fallen nature. So I want to encourage you right from the start if you're struggling with this, you're normal, okay? But the fact that you're struggling is a good thing because it means that you're wanting more and you're wanting breakthrough. And I want to encourage us, let's make this a resolve this year that we get breakthrough in the area of prayer. Wherever level that you're at, whatever degree of of grace you have, that we supersize that for this year. You with me on that? Can we lock our faith together for that? At its most basic level, prayer is simply a pathway to relationship with God Almighty. And for any kind of relationship, there's got to be communication. And for any kind of communication, that means that both of us are talking and listening. Hopefully not at the same time, all right? Talking and listening, which means simply this. The creator of the universe has invited us to come and talk to him and to listen to him. And guess what? He wants to talk to us, and he wants us to listen to him. This is amazing, and it's really rather simple, is it not? God is inviting us to communicate with him. God is inviting us to have a relationship with him. God is inviting us to know him. And prayer is not so much a tool to accomplish things as much as it is a pathway to have a relationship with God himself. Now, can anybody think of a greater blessing? If, if that's what prayer is, is there any blessing you could comprehend that would be better than that? 
Uh, God is the end all. Having a relationship with our Creator is the end all, and that's what He promises us in prayer. And let me just mention, this is a great, uh, let me give you an example of some things that we don't want to fall into. A lot of times when people think of prayer, they think of ritual. Some of you have been raised in situations where prayer was simply reciting certain memorized prayers or certain verses about prayer, and that was what prayer was. But I want you to think for a moment. When I think of my own kids, they don't come up to me and recite like my you know, biography to me and then leave the room as if that was some type of a relationship. I would look at them like, you're being weird. I want them to come and sit with me. I want them to come and communicate with me. I want to have a relationship with my children. Am I, any fathers out there know what I'm talking about? You want to have a relationship with people. It's the same thing with God. God does not want us to race into his presence. And how about this? Some of us approach prayer like a prayer list. And, and prayer lists are okay. I'm not against a list. They keep us focused. They, they help us remember what we're to pray about. But how many of you know God does not, you don't come to him like with a laundry list of things you'd like him to accomplish for you before lunchtime. Like, Lord, um, let me just dump on you real quick here. I'd like you to do this, this, remember so-and-so, bless grandma, uh, amen, and you're out, and you just left the Lord with this laundry list of stuff that you'd like him to do for you. You know, do any of you have, now, I'm not trying to expose my own family here, but it's just normal. Do any of you ever have situations where your children come and they are affectionate with you, but there's an ulterior motive? You know, like they're giving you the back rub that you've asked for 50 times, but they were too busy. Dad, how you doing? Love you, Dad. Oh, by the way, as soon as the oh, by the way comes, all the warm fuzzies of the moment just went right out the door. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Bunkowski's, good to see you guys. I just saw your smiling faces all the way from California. We love you. Good to see you back here in good old Crown Point, Indiana. I hate it when that happens. Sometimes I'll tell my kids, hey, can you just jump into dad's world? Can you just sit with me? Can you just hang out with me? And, and isn't this amazing? Do you think your heavenly father is any different? Why is it that we always come to him with our laundry list? Why don't we just come to him because we love him? Why don't we just come to him because we enjoy his presence? Why don't we just come to him to tell him all the things about him that we so deeply appreciate? And then I just want, you know, God likens himself, obviously, to, to a father. So isn't it amazing? You know, if my kids just enjoyed being with, with me and with, with their mother, and they were like this, you know, Dad, I'm focused right now on you and on your world. What can I do around here to help? <laughs> what? Hey, Dad, how, how can we lift some burdens around the house? What can we do? Hey, Mom, what can we do? To make your day. I'd be like, just ask me for anything and I will say yes. All right? Just ask me. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. I think, that, I think the Lord said that about Jesus. Because here's the issue. Everything begins with relationship. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is hard for God to do. But God will not sacrifice his power and display of things he wants to do at the, on the altar of the lack of relationship with us. He wants you, and, and he wants me, and he's inviting us. Prayer is a pathway to encounter God. It's a pathway to know him. It's a pathway just to love on him. And how many of you know when, when God's heart is ravished, 
with one of his sons or daughters, does he not, as a father, want to bless and want to minister and want to do those things out of the goodness of his heart for us? Of course he does. So it's not a ritual. It's not a duty. It's not a to-do list. Like when I talk about prayer this morning, some of you are like, oh, oh, I need to... I need to get that spiritual discipline better in my life. No, stop it. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to turn what God meant to be a joyful, awesome relationship with him into a duty. It's like if my kids go, Dad, I'm going to try really hard to spend some time with you this year. It's my my spiritual discipline. It's going to be really hard, but I'm going to try. Thank you. It really blesses me. I know I'm a hard guy to be around, but it really blesses me that you would try to find some time out of the duty of your heart to uh, get in my good graces. No, we just ruin prayer. Every time we do this, we ruin prayer. I remember being at a situation one time. It was a funeral, and it was from a different church background, and, and they were praying a certain prayer in the Bible, but they said, okay, we're going to do six of these or seven of these or what ten of these it didn't matter the number but the point was these people started doing our father aren't heaven i'll be the name the kingdom come that will be done earth our father aren't heaven i'll be the name and, and and we just did that for like 10 times and i sat there looking around everybody like robots and i'm like this is not what god has in mind my kids come into the living room my father who lives in this house hallowed be thy name give me my allowance buy me some shoes let me go to the mall. Amen. Our Father who lives in this house. How, no, what are we doing? You're, you're trying to relate to the King of glory, a real person who loves you, who is more real than you are, and who wants to know you and wants to love you. And we come with these, with these scripts like we're in a movie or something like that. Put your script away and talk to God. Pastor, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to use all those, the right language. There is no right language. You're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter. Talk to God. Tell him what you want. Share your heart. Worship him in your own feeble way, but do it. He loves you. Be real. Look at what the Bible says. This is one of the most simplest definitions of prayer. Psalm 91, verse 15 God says, call unto me, and I will answer. Say it with me. Call unto me, and I will answer. Let's say it again. Call unto me, and I will answer. I want to encourage you this morning. God is not like a teenager with a cell phone. This is one of my pet peeves. Like 19 times, I'm calling my teenager, the one whose phone is glued permanently to their hand, <laughs> the, one, the one who hears the slightest little ringtone, oh, I have a text, the one who's texting at 95 miles an hour on this tiny little keypad, my fingers don't even fit those little keys, but the one who's taking a selfie while they're texting. While they're on Facebook Live or whatever, doing a video for all their friends, that kid with that phone on their hand, they can't answer the phone when their dad's calling. So what do I do? I pull out my phone. I send a text. When your father calls you, answer the phone. Emoji. 
call me now, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And if I'm really feeling it, a little pile of poo-poo at the end, all right, emoji. <laughs> LOL, LOL. <laughs> call your dad. It's like, don't act like, oh, dad, oh, yeah, I didn't have my phone. Oh, no, you got your phone. It's like there all the time. <laughs> don't lie to me. When I call, you answer. God says, when you call, I answer. That's what God says. You call, I answer. You call, I answer. You call, I answer. Some of you need to hear this today. Call unto me, God says. I want to answer you. Call me, I answer. Call me, I answer. That's the incentive to seek him. He is not irresponsive to the cries of our heart. He is not a teenager with a cell phone. In fact, when God is trying to establish this relationship with us of prayer, he does it in the most intimate way. If you turn with me to Luke 11 real quickly, Luke chapter 11, Jesus is praying with his disciples, and it's interesting, the disciples are watching because, you know, they're not sure how to do this. They, they knew all the religious examples that they had from the Pharisees, from the Old Testament priests, from all the religious laws and commandments of God under the Old Covenant. But here they find Jesus Christ on his knees crying out to God. What must that have been like to be in the presence of the Son of God, crying out to God the Father uh, in a way of uh, expressing intimacy and passion like none other? And how many of you know when you're around people who walk with God, there's something about their lives that inspires you to want to be like them? If you're around somebody with a good marriage and you're like, I want to have a marriage like that, there's something that draws you to those people. We all know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you've seen people with a healthy family or kids that love the Lord, you're like, you know, I want to have kids that love the Lord. I want to know what are they doing to produce that fruit. Well, guess what? When they're watching Jesus pray, there's something inside of them that is so moved by watching this heavenly encounter between the Father and the Son that they beg Jesus to teach him how to do that. I don't know about you, but shouldn't our lives, the way that we're living, the walk that we have with God, our, our passion for the Lord, our, if you've been around people that know the Word, and when they talk, they, they're just, you can tell they're full of the Word, or they're full of the wisdom of God. You want to be around those people. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Because they make you better. They challenge you to go higher. Well, how about in our prayer life? I love to be around people that when they open their mouth and begin to talk to God, you can tell they've done this before. They know, how about this? They know the person to whom they're speaking. They have a relationship with this person. And you're like, I want to pray like that. Well, that's what was happening here with the disciples. And Jesus goes on to give them what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. But you all know this, this prayer, it begins with a key word, and that word is Father. This is stunning, and I want you to get this. When they asked Jesus to tell them how to pray, teach them how to pray, Jesus began with this word, Father. Because praying to God is like talking to a beloved father, or it should be. Now, here's where we get in trouble, because I know many people in this room today, if I, when I say beloved father, you have no framework for that. You have no way to put that in. You've not had a beloved father. You had a father that abandoned you, a father that hurt you, a father that was angry, a father that abused you. And so you're like, that's right where my problems lie. But God's trying to show us something here with this word. That he's not, he's not a slot machine that we're pulling the lever and hope we get an answer from God. He's not a to-do list. He's not a, he's not a ritualistic prayer that we just say. If we say it enough times, the magic happens and God answers our prayer. He's a father. And he drives down a couple verses later here in verse 13. In fact, drop down with me. 
And this is what he says. He says, if you then, talking to the disciples, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, this Christmas was so fun for us because we had babies around the house again, and Lauren had little Uriah over, a uh, little nine-month-old, and it was great. Of course, now everybody's capturing the moment, you know, with their camera, and uh, we put the bag in front of him, and he starts ripping out the tissue paper, and he plucks out this giant stuffed animal, and his eyes got all big, and the first thing he did is he grabbed the stuffed animal, pulled it to his face, and bit the stuffed animal's nose, all right? Just... <laughs> I guess that's how nine-month-olds nine show their love and affection and their joy. Everybody went crazy, and he was just having a ball. And I mean, you know, there's something in the heart of a parent or a grandparent when you're giving your child a gift or your grandchild a gift, and you see the sheer joy that they have. You're, you're like, this is what Christmas is all about. It's not about the gifts under the tree for you. It's about watching the joy in the hearts of other people. Your heavenly father calls himself a father because we get certain things about him. It's a, it's a way to reveal his nature and his character to us. He says, if you being evil can get that kind of joy out of giving gifts to your children, how much more do you think I enjoy giving more of me, giving the Holy Spirit to those who simply ask? What do you have to do to get more? Ask. What do you have to do, Pastor Dick pointed out, to be close to the Lord? You have to want more. You have to pursue. You have to call so that God can answer. This is the way God has set this thing up. But he reveals himself as a father. Now, when I think of my father, my father is a lot of things. Let me tell you what my father is not. My father, when I was growing up, was not a buddy. Like, and I'm sixth grade, he's just like another big sixth grader. No, he's not. He's my father. Father is a perfect blend of intimacy and reverence and honor all mixed into one. When I approach him as my father, I know that he is my father. There's a sense that, that, that we belong to one another. There should be that same sense with your heavenly father. You belong to him. You're a son. You're a daughter. He's your father, all right? But he's also the creator of the universe. He's also awesome. He's also omnipotent, omniscient. Uh, he is powerful, and so we come to him with a sense of reverence at the same time. We come to him with childlike obedience and trust. Which leads me quickly here to my second point. Prayer is also the privilege of partnership with God. And I want to make some changes here and lay some track here that I think will be helpful to us today as it relates to this whole notion of partnership. The invitation to pray involves the invitation from God to partner with him in doing some amazing things during our lifetime on planet Earth. And this should stun us because when we think about God as being sovereign and omnipotent, the fact that he has chosen to work through his bride, through his people, through the church, through us, is stunning. You know, I know of some parents that uh, when they're raising their kids and they're in a hurry in particular, how many of you have figured out that Inviting your kids to do certain tasks or certain chores is not always the most efficient thing. In fact, some of you might have been raised in homes where your parents were perfectionists, and this is the way perfectionists think. I'll just do it myself. Well, why are they just going to do it themselves? Because they don't want to be bothered with teaching you and having you slow them down or make a mess out of things. The problem is parents like that actually cripple their kids. Because their kids never learn how to do certain things because they can just do it faster, more efficiently, etc. You all know what I'm talking about. 
Isn't it amazing that our Heavenly Father, who has no needs, who's all-powerful, could certainly accomplish His agenda without the help of us? But listen to me, He takes the time and actually chooses to partner with you and with me. So much so, I want you to hear me, that there are certain things that will not be done until God simply finds cooperation or partnership on the earth. God has ordained that there are certain things that will not be done until God's people agree with him in prayer. This is pretty stunning. God is so committed to the partnership with his bride, doing it with us, that he's waiting for us to agree with him in prayer and literally to to prepare the way of the Lord. I gave this example a couple years ago when teaching on prayer, but it bears repeating. When we pray, it's like we, we lay the railroad tracks down for the locomotive called God to plow through the difficulties, to bring the resources to the situation, whatever the situation is. If we don't lay the track, the locomotive stays in the train station. It can't go anywhere. You have this potential, all this power, all this resource that is not going anywhere because there's no tracks that have been laid. What happens when we pray? We're laying tracks. We're, 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 we're preparing the way of the Lord so that God can partner with us to bring His resources, His presence, His power to bear on that situation. Unfortunately, what we often run into in prayer, and I want to challenge us with this this morning, is while God is looking for partnership, sometimes what He gets from us is selfishness. How many of you besides me have ever found out if you do an analysis of your prayer time that most of what you pray about is asking God to make your life easy, comfortable, and blessed. In fact, I'm just going to tell you one of the most useless prayers to God. Lord, bless so-and-so. Let me tell you why it's useless. Because it's so nonspecific. What does that mean? Let me tell you what bless Brent means. Lord, bless my brother Brent. That means make sure there's no problems in his life, help him get a raise, make sure everything that he does prospers, and that he's happy and successful, preferably living the American dream. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Most of our prayers are not partnering with God. They're asking God to work on our behalf to make our lives easier. And we wonder why well, you know, God never answers prayer. Because God doesn't work for you. You're partnering with him. And so all the time that you're spending, he's like, if I gave you everything that you asked for, I would destroy you. You would be a selfish, baby snowflake, worthless sissy. In fact, I'm going to pop some more bubbles. We do this every new year. 2018 is going to be better than 2017. In what way? If you think 2018 is going to be problem-free, you're high on drugs. You, you need deliverance. Get up here. We're going to pray for you. The Bible says this. The greater the opportunities, the greater the adversaries. Are you kidding me? How many of you had mountaintops this year? Some great moments this year. Wave at me. How many of you had some valleys this year? Okay, I'm going to prophesy to you. There's more to come in 2018. (laughs) Pretty awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry, some of you thought, I'm living on the mountaintop. No, you're not. 
As soon as you get comfortable there, whack, you're down in the valley. <laughs> How many of you know you can't, you can't fight the greatest battles up on the mountaintop? You fight the greatest battles in the valley. There's no giants up on the mountaintop. They're all in the valleys. All the good stories come from the valley. I'm going to say that again. All the good stories of God's faithfulness come in the valley, not on the mountaintop. Which is why, have you noticed, mountaintops are tiny. Valleys are big. Because God wants you to have lots of God encounters. The mountaintops for going, woohoo! But then you're going right down the other side. And I'm not promising bad stuff. I, I don't want that for any of us. But here's what I'm saying. The only constant in 2018 is going to be the presence of God. And the only difference in how you go through and experience one year to the next is going to be your ability to encounter God in prayer. And here's, I'm going to give you a hint. Most of us, we only go to God to pray when we're miserable, hurt, oppressed, problems, broke, dying, demonized. And what's God's whole goal out of prayer? To have a relationship with you. So isn't this interesting? God's like, you know, the only time I get to see, you know, Lynn here is when she's demonized, depressed, dying, or in some crisis. So I'll just let her live there because I really enjoy seeing her. God's goal in, in this whole thing called life is not to help you fulfill the American dream and live happily ever after and never be uncomfortable. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God has an agenda. It's really important. How many know God's agenda is really big? It's the redemption of a planet. It's plucking people from hell and sending them on a path that's different. It's delivering people that are in bondage. It's healing brokenhearted people. It's pulling people from spiritual death into life. It's healing sick bodies so people can experience God's love and his power. It's bringing forgiveness and restoration in hearts that have been wounded and damaged. How many of you know God is serious about this agenda? What he's looking for is partnership, which means the whole reason we pray is to figure out what is it that he has to say and how can I align myself to partner with him. It doesn't mean we can't lift up our needs. We should be lifting up our needs. In fact, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, later down in the prayer, did he not, that it's okay for us to lift up our needs before him, our daily bread. Lift up your daily bread needs. Don't start with your daily bread needs. Be focused on the agenda and the burden of God's heart. Now, let me show you something real quickly, and I promise to be quick here. But if you look at the birth of Jesus Christ, how many of you know the Old Testament was full of prophecies about Jesus coming? I mean, you know, God knew that from before the foundation of the world, he would be sending his son to die for our sins. This was no surprise to God. It was no surprise to the prophets. It should have been no surprise to God's people. If you have a promise from God in the Bible, what is your responsibility as a son or daughter? It's to take a hold of that promise and to pray it until there's, so there's agreement with heaven so that God can, we put the tracks down so that God can bring the solution and bring the answer to that promise. You with me? When did Jesus come? And here's the question I'm asking. Was there anybody on earth, agreeing with heaven to see the birth of Christ. Well, interestingly enough, there's a couple people the Bible talks about. One was Simeon. This is in Luke chapter 2. Turn there if you can. Luke chapter 2, 25 and 26. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, 
Check this out. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What was Simeon doing? He was agreeing that in his lifetime, he wanted to see the promised Messiah. God looked down, he says, there's somebody that cares about my agenda, my plan, what's on my heart, in agreement with me. There's something powerful that happens when heaven and earth come into agreement. Look at the other person who was praying. Her name's Anna. Drop down to verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. But her husband had died when she had been married only for seven years. So she was a widow at a young age. But look at verse 37. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but she stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. What was Anna doing? She was agreeing with what God had declared, uh, what God had decided. She was declaring. She was fasting. She was in prayer. She was crying out for God to accomplish his purposes. Now, here's my challenge to you all, and I want to plead with you as your pastor. Are there certain things that God is wanting to do over our region, certain things that God is wanting to do in your life, in your family, that he's simply waiting because he has chosen to partner with us He is waiting for agreement to come from us. I'm just asking, how many of you believe that things happen when we pray? And therefore, if we don't pray, things that should have been happening, could have been happening, God wanted to have happen, aren't happening because nobody is agreeing with him and nobody cares. You with me? What is it that God would like to do through us individually and corporately right here in this region this year? Well, our responsibility is to find agreement with God. And that's what we want to give you the chance to do. Next Sunday, we'll have a response card in every bulletin. And here's what I'm asking you to do. From the 8th to the 28th of this month, 21 days, I'm asking you to do one thing for sure, and that's to pray. We're looking to have 24-7 prayer going on for those 21 days, okay? Somebody standing on the wall, somebody crying out to God, somebody praying the vision, Uh, into fulfillment, somebody believing God for acceleration and some of these other things that God has spoken so that we can see breakthrough happen. Uh, I'm believing this is going to be an incredible year of harvest and opportunity. And and, and David, in selecting the songs this morning, we sang about God of miracles. Come on, this is who God is. What's he looking for? He's looking for a church to agree with him and to go after him and to cry out for this. So I'm asking all of you, not just a handful of you, I'm asking every single one of you to pray about what's the one hour in your day that for the next 21 days you would stand with us and go after God, spend time with Him, love on Him, read His Word, pray His Word, and believe His Word for for this house, Living Stones, and for your house uh, individually. Next week, not some of us, all of us, everybody embracing this privilege, everybody doing their part. I also want to share this. You know, I was uh, last night I was uh, here and walked out. I noticed again the sidewalks were full of snow. It was cold. Um, earlier in the day, I talked to some young men about getting over here and shoveling. Here's what I'm looking for. You know, we have this phrase today called adulting, right? Um, sometimes you look at each other if you're married, and Marion and I will do this. And we're like, you know what? I wish I didn't have to be an adult today. But you know what? Kids have to go to school, and we have to get out of bed, and life has to go on. There's just certain things you do because you're a parent and you're responsible. You with me? It's the same thing with the church. 
I had my son, and he got together some young people last night. I said, hey, we need to get, this, get the sidewalks clean and ready. We need to prepare the way for God's people to come and worship him. All right? But here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for some people, a group of people, a team of people, preferably under the age of 30, who would say this to me, Pastor, you never have to think about who's shoveling the sidewalks when it snows. We got it covered. And there was silence in the house of the Lord. (laughs) Because you know when you learn to be a spiritual adult is when you shoulder responsibility. What I've just shared with you, by the way, I shared that first service and nobody raised up and told me that, so the the opportunity is still open. And I share this joyfully. Listen, you know who's shoveled various times outside? Moi. And you know why I've done it? Because it brings me joy. In fact, nothing we should do in the service of the Lord without joy. It doesn't even bring God joy or pleasure, so if you can't do it with a smile on your face and with joy in your heart, don't do it. I'm just telling you, and I would have got out there last night and shoveled it, but my son Jason said, Dad, I got it covered. I love that. Boy, I love those words. Dad, I got it covered. And he got together some young men, and guess what? When I came this morning, it was covered. Uh, But I'm looking for some folks who say, you know what? That's something that, Pastor, I don't even want you to have to think about that. If it's bad weather, it'll be clean and ready to go. How many of you know this is not a big thing? (laughs) I got to convince some of you. This is not a big thing. It's an opportunity to prepare the way for people to worship the Lord. It's a, listen to me, it is a privilege. Whatever we do to partner with God is a privilege. Aren't you grateful God has allowed us to partner with Him to accomplish amazing things? There's a whole generation of people that are looking for significance. They're looking for meaning. The only problem is the meaning ends in them. Our purpose in life is supposed to flow through us to others to accomplish God's purpose. That's how you find your meaning. When you're not the end of the meaning, you're a means to meaning. Does that make sense? You're a means to releasing God and God's purposes in the earth. That's how you live for kingdom impact. That's how you are the most fulfilled. I'm just telling you this. If God is looking for agreement and God has chosen to partner with us, this, this is a humongous responsibility God has laid on the church's shoulders. I hope you feel the weight. It's a good weight. It's a healthy weight, but I hope you feel the weight. God will do nothing this year without partnering with you. God will do nothing this year without the agreement of his church on the earth. This is pretty serious. But God will will move heaven and earth to touch people, heal people, perform the miraculous for a people that will agree with him and stand in covenant with him and call down his purposes and declare his purposes. God's waiting for agreement from us. And you know what? It starts with him. And here's the cool thing. I have found this to be true, and I'm going to close here. I found this to be true. And I I use money as an example because we all understand it, but please don't anybody take an offense because I'm talking about money. But here's the way this works. I have found people that get lost in the purposes of God and want to honor God and are generous people, and those people never have to worry about their basic needs being met because guess what happens? They're so focused on the king and his needs that the king is taking care of them and their needs. 
But then I've also seen people that are so focused on my needs. God, bless me here. God, we need money here. God, we're broke here. God, we're sick here. Whatever the situation is. God, 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 me, my family, our needs. And they're constantly living in need. Why are you constantly living in need? Because you haven't figured out yet. You've been redeemed for him. You're, the, you're to be the center of his agenda, not him to be the center of your agenda. God says it's a small thing for me to take care of your family. It's a small thing for me to heal your body. It's a small thing for me to provide you with a job that gives you more than enough. These are tiny things for me. What I'm after is you. I'm looking for a shift to happen, a conversion to happen in your heart where you don't live for you anymore. You live for me, God's saying. You make me the center of your agenda. You make my purposes the center of your life. And God says, seek me first. Put me first. And what does he tell us? All these other things will be added to us. How many of you know this is true by experience? 55 years, I'm 55 years old. God has never let my family down in 55 years. He's never let us down. Ever. Ever. Because he's faithful. And when I think to the next years, however many years, I think of David at the end of his life saying, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. That's the inheritance that we have. What a joy. What a joy to be invited to partner with God. What a joy to allow God to look for agreement on us, on our side, so God can move and do things that only God can do. What a privilege it is. I'm so excited about 2018, not because my life is changing or America's changing or the landscape is changing, but because God wants to do new things, and I want to agree with him. God is doing stuff. God's heart wants to be revealed. God's power revealed. God wants to show off in 2018. He wants to display his greatness. God wants to do that. I don't care about my agenda. In fact, I'm, I'm just saying, God, please show me what you're wanting to do. This isn't Ron Johnson's church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. He's got something he's wanting to do. Our job is to seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Build a relationship with him. It is. It's the most incredible privilege ever that that God would want to spend time with me and that me coming into his presence as imperfect and feeble and incompetent as I can be, that I bring great joy to his heart. And he never looks at you or I with a condemning heart. He never gives us the tisk tisk. He is always so excited when we come to be with him. I want to encourage you as we move into 2018, would you pray for me? I don't mean this in some religious way. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Would you pray that God would accomplish his purposes through your pastor's life, that I can hear better, see better, flow better, love better, preach better, pray better, I just want better, all right? Pray for us. Pray for our pastoral team. Pray for my mom and dad. Pray for my lovely wife. Pray for the heads of our ministries. In fact, that's what we'll be doing some tonight, just giving ourselves to the Lord, praying for one another. Let me encourage you to do this. When the temptation comes, 
because it always comes because we're people and we're imperfect. When the temptation comes to see a fault or to criticize a fault or to murmur in a fault, can we be all the more intense on praying for the person and not attacking people? Can we believe that God's wanting to bring the best out of that person and not the worst out of that person? Can we be part of the solution to what's going on and not part of the problem? Every time you hear the hiss of murmuring or the hiss of negativity, it is not the Holy Spirit's accent. That is the accent from hell. God wants us to stand in the gap for people, broken people, hurt people, messed up people, people hurting people. I'll just tell you, as a pastor, there's not a week that goes by your heart's not broken over the effects of sin in the families of our church. Breaks your heart. And sometimes, I was telling you, it just gets to be overwhelming. We need the Lord. Our families need the Lord. Our marriages need the Lord. Our nation needs the Lord. Your pastor needs the Lord. And if we will call, God will answer. If we will seek him, we will find him. And if we will get in his presence, God promises to show us great and mighty things that we know not that he will do a new thing in our day that would cause our heads to spin, that we will be a part of something in 2018. Here's what the something is. It's something that God has been waiting to release and do, that he's been waiting for enough people, his people, to agree with him on so that he can begin doing something that we go, wow, this is what we have been praying for. This is what we've been seeking God for. That's what God wants to do. I want you to stand with me this morning. I hope you've heard my heart. It's the, it, is the, it is the pleasure of God inviting us into relationship with him and partnership with him. And Jesus even said this in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father would be glorified through the Son. God wants us to take his name, the name of his son Jesus, and partner with his work and use that authority that we have to see God accomplish great things. Lord, we're standing in your presence under this amazing canopy of your love and affection for us as our dad, as our heavenly father. And Lord, we're asking that you would give us grace, as Pastor Dick talked about, the spirit of prayer and intercession. God, that you would move us all deeper into intimacy with you. And Lord, that you would teach us what it looks like to partner with you to see your agenda move in our families, in our church, in our nation, in the world. Lord, we give ourselves to you. If you're with me this morning, just give your heart and give your life as a sign of surrender and ask the Lord to give you grace to to pursue him. Ask the Lord to give you the strength to set up a time that you would get alone with God on a regular basis, not to check off your list, but so that you could find him, that you could encounter him. Lord, we're asking for more of you. We're asking, Lord, that you'd use us in our generation to further your agenda. God, do things this year that blow our minds. Thank you for all that you did in 2017. Lord, we'd be remiss not to pause and thank you 
for all the people that are here in the sound of my voice that weren't part of our family this last year. Lord, I thank you for sending us new friends and new family members. Thanks for people that were born again. Thanks for people that have been delivered. Thanks for all that you're doing in all the various ministries of the church. But Lord, here we are presenting ourselves in a fresh way. God, pour out a spirit of prayer and intercession on this house. Lord, may we be a house of prayer for all the nations. And Lord, may this place be a place where you are pleased to bring your spirit and to dwell with your manifest presence. Lord, we love you. What a joy it is. What a privilege it is to be your kids. Thank you for saving us. Now use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Hey, we don't have marriage class yet. We're still taking a break off here. I'll continue to pray for the building progress. If you need prayer today, please don't leave. If you don't know the Lord, he wants to introduce himself to you. Come on up. Let us pray for you. Otherwise, have an amazing week. All right, we love you. Bless you.